Hello and welcome to the Meaningfulistic Podcast. I am your host, Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm asking questions about what matters to who and why in the deepest, most personal sense. This is an exploration to find deep meaning at the intersection of the secular and the sacred, the artistic and the scientific. I'll interview ordinary people who find creative, unique, and profound ways to live a holistically healthy life. The meaningfulistic is the both and of the yin and yang of what it means to be. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing or having a conversation with another fellow podcaster, Mr. Sadiq. Welcome to the show. Yeah, well, thank you, Gabriel, for having me. I appreciate it. And I'm always, always enjoying and ready to take part in a very good conversation so thank you for having me out today oh thank you i mean it's one of the problems is people are always willing to be in a conversation but when it comes down to actually making a commitment say i want i want to share my my thoughts and opinions you'd be surprised that some people get kind of i think they get intimidated by the fact that they're being recorded so i appreciate you coming Uh, on so with that do you think uh i mean i'm sure you've given it some thought but are those opinions actually that important if they're not really to be recorded, <laughs> espousing them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I had uh, that is at my core. I think mm. people truly. I think everyone is a philosopher. Now you might mm. debate me on that, but I think everyone has. Everyone lives to their own personal credo. Mm-hmm. I think that, and my my stick, you know, my my foundation is. People have, they live for a meaning. So you have meaning seeking, which is uh, trying to find meaning in the world. And mm-hmm. whether you, they're doing it cognitively or not, like actively or not, I think they're still doing it. And then two is meaning making. So meaning seeking is trying to find the things that matter in your life. And then meaning making is actually doing it. So I think <clears throat> when people don't have that, awareness of I'm going to do something that's meaningful to me, they mm-hmm. still try to find outlets for that. And that, yeah. and that comes out as, uh, you know, watching TV, going out drinking, uh, uh, playing video games, um, uh, watching movies. It's, oh, they're trying to do something. They're trying to tap into something meaningful, but you know, it, it, it they're not aware of how it, how it relates. And that's why I'm, I think that everyone's opinion matters. Their credo matters. We just, I like digging deeper, you know, if that makes sense. That makes sense because I, well, so with me, a lot of times, I think what gets, I used to always say this about people in the Bible, right? And uh, I would uh, discuss, hey, how often do you read the Bible? Uh, I'm Christian, this, that, and the other, uh, believe strongly. And, you know, I always ask, how how deeply do you go into the the text? I'm not asking anybody to be some full-blown theologian. I'm just saying there's a justification for the faith in the text. And it actually makes the, the faith deeper as you read the text, right? And uh, I'm, I don't do that to be a jerk. It's actually, it's actually me kind of, cause that, that, that would, that's a question that would lead into a better, deeper conversation about the faith a lot of times. Uh, but a lot of people, they tell you off the top that they don't really read the Bible that much, but they do believe. And I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, uh, 
with what you said about this uh, dynamic between people's opinions and philosophies and then not really wanting to, I don't want to say espouse the opinions and philosophies, but own them you yeah. know, publicly. I kind of look at that as that, that little, that's the same thing. You know, it's like, well, if you believe you should really be trying to really, really research what you believe. And if you actually believe this per- particular way of living life, Hey, come on here and talk to somebody about it, and you can share it with people. And maybe somebody yeah. can pick up something from that, and that can help them on the path to kind of forming their own personal philosophy. You know what I mean? Yeah, that that's that's what I'm doing. That's what you know. I'm sure your podcast, and that's what my podcast is about. It's uh, my podcast is about something completely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Woods, not yeah. wrong. I'm um, I'm not gonna say I'm jaded. But I have a, um, I have a, a way of looking at human nature. That's and fine. It's, uh, you know, you, you kind of mentioned it earlier, right? When you were talking about how, because some people are, they, they, they consume. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times they consume narratives. And then they'll build philosophies off of those narratives that they consumed. Believe it, yes. it's an original philosophy, but it was actually just something, you know. You got a little tidbit, and they they knew you'd build off of that. So now you have a philosophy off a narrative they gave you a little bit of, and now you have this whole way of thinking. But they they gave you the kernel, yes. You know that. So that's you know. So that's kind of I'm on that side, and that makes it difficult sometimes for me to. uh, With our shows, a lot of times they end up at this impasse where you're. uh, It happens because you have. I might have uh, three people on there, two people on there. Uh, one person, they might hear about certain topics and it just becomes sh- shut down. Yeah. And then somebody else, they'll give you a solution uh, that say maybe maybe it's a political solution. But I'm I'm on the other side. Where I'm saying, well, I don't think that's going to actually fix anything. Yeah. You know, so you, so you see it just kind of stops right there because okay. people have, you know, you, you kind of get where I'm coming from, you know? Yeah. Like I said that's um, mine. That's what I. That's what I'm talking about. So it's kind of you're doing something. You're helping the world, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If I am. Well, uh, well, that remains to be seen. Um, as you know, if you have a microphone, you do you say what you can, and 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 that becomes a platform. And I hope that. Uh, I mean, there's other people that you know try to foster uh, positive uh, platforms, and that's what I'm trying to do also. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to have this conversation with you and continue our offline conversation of uh, the sensitive topic of being sensitive or mm. uh, the males showing emotion because it took me, you know, talking about that kernel of narrative that you take as a young man growing up mm-hmm. and that kernel is don't show emotions, be tough, suck it up. Don't cry. Or yeah. Don't let anybody see you cry, suck it up. And then, uh, you know, it, it becomes that anger that manifests later in age. You're talking post teenage years and you're, you're talking about people who, who lash out with either, their addictions or their anger and, and their, and their fear, you know, uh, actual aggression um, because they're not able to articulate yep. the fact that they were fed something as a child 
you know, when they were young and innocent, I said, someone hurt my feelings or they bullied me in school. And then you come home and that kernel of suck it up puts this bandaid over your emotions and it keeps you from being able to feel and it, you know, festers and it erupts later. And people wonder, like, you know, I guess mm-hmm. minorities in particular, why there's so many in prison, because they they were fed machismo. They were fed uh, men don't cry, you know, growing up. And I think that that that's what this topic is about. That's what I want to talk about with you. I I do acknowledge that that's a problem. But I probably come at it from a little bit of a different angle because let's just let's just look at a couple time periods, right? And uh, let's just say sixties to seventies, right? You can even go back to the fifties. Oh, the height of the the American man, man, right? You always had a um, you would have a archetype of a man and how the man was supposed to act and how he was supposed to be. But you always had music that reflected a male sensitivity. Yeah. Right? And I don't care what, if it, you could have the freaking Marlboro man. Yeah. He might have been listening to something that had his ass crying on that horse, smoking them <laughs> cigarettes on the Great Plains. You know what I'm saying? What you say? Uh, there, uh, yeah, some old uh, country, you know, uh, even like. Something. Yeah, Hank Williams or something. Stand by you. Man, it could have been literally, <laughs> or there's a, and it could have just, it could have just, it could have just hit him, or tear and in it, my he, beard. He, he, yeah, he, he break down crying, man. You know, and uh, that is that's again another juxtaposition because in in that time period, right, where people go back, like now, people will say, well, that's when you had the classic man. You had all this other masculine energy on the other side that did have a softer side and a softer approach to how to how to interact and deal you know and uh, now i don't see it which is weird you know because we've gone to the extreme and we don't even have any kind of music to go to to where we're like hey man i want to get myself recentered, you know and yeah discharge all this negativity off of me you know what i'm saying where is that? And I mean, I know this music exists, but it's not in popular culture. Right. We, you have to seek it out, you know? And most of these people we're talking about who find themselves in these situations, they're not going to go that deeply to find music to take that edge off, you know? Yeah. And when do you think that happened? You, you said like 50s, 60s, and then we say we transitioned to 70s. So you're talking, uh, you know, hippie movement, uh rock and roll kind of comes in and there's less of that stand by your man or, or like from a male, male vocalist, you're thinking, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, the male vocalists of the seventies, like, what would you say? Like Teddy Pendergrass and, and, uh, well, you had it all, you had it on the rock side and you had it on the soul side. I mean, you know, yeah. like Fleetwood Mac, even in the eighties, man, with the, with the hair bands, you know, okay. And, and that, time period of rock and roll you still had ballads where they were talking about love yeah and uh but now 
let's just say late nineties into where we are now, right? You just had this complete change where there is no, everything is literally just animalistic. Yeah. For, I don't, I don't have another way to explain it. It's just, uh, most of it's based on sexual fulfillment yeah. and other, you know, low level vibrational activities. You know what I'm saying? And so you have this whole, okay, look, man, all right. Go ahead. <laughs> you have this whole generation of young people, right, who were raised, and we have to take this into account. Um, they're raised on a, uh, a equality perspective between men and women. So you have this, uh, say some of these boys, they might not have that view of women where women need to be maybe taken care of sometimes. You need to have a softer approach with women. Because it's a, they've been, they've had this stuff pounded into their heads about everybody. You know, I'm not saying men and women are equal. What I'm saying is, though, we do respond to things differently. Okay. And it has to be taken into account. And if you try to make it all the same, yeah. you, you start running into problems, which I think is also adding to what we got going on now. And it's making all this stuff a little bit worse. Uh, but if you talk about our generation, Dude, we were probably at the very end of it. We still had some of the R&B, and then it just all went to gangster rap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's where we are now. Thanks, Snoop and uh, Dr. Dre and, and Ice that's Cube. It. All those guys that kind of um, turned, or Tupac even, turned that uh, corner from, like you said, mm-hmm. taking care of a woman and and caring and, and yearning, you know, those, those ballads that talked about the emotional side, the soft side. And, you know, even if they were hitting that high note, you know, they're, they're I'm telling you, man. crying to that microphone. And, and Tupac is a great example of it because he had all this, all, Brenda's got a baby. Even though you were the dope fiend, mama, you'll always be my black, black queen. queen. Yeah. Come on, man. You know it's, it's like an internal internal conflict going on. You know. You know. Have you ever heard of an interview of Tupac when he was a teenager? Mm-mm. You can find it on YouTube. So Tupac originally wanted to be an actor, mm. and if you go and find, I can't tell you right now, but you find if you go and look, say Tupac um, interview as a teenager, mm-hmm. you will find one very profound thing. He was a very sensitive person mm. he did talk about growing up you know like you know his mama you know single mom um and he talked about his value system and he also talked about being you know underprivileged mm-hmm. but he had you could tell immediately he was very um articulate mm. very articulate and very sensitive mm-hmm. um it, it was it was profound when i heard it because you don't realize this before and after. Well, why did it change? Mm-hmm. The time that it changed for him was probably the time that it changed for us yep. around, like you said, um, mid-90s. Or, yeah, he was yeah. in it. He yeah. was right there in it. A lot of these guys, uh, and they'll tell you, you can, especially with the, the West Coast rap, you had all this stuff was tied to the crack, the, the crack cocaine thing, you know? And so they huh. saw this... Um, Let's just get into the pathology here, right? You saw women 
let's just say we're you and I are in high school in South Central LA, man, in 1986. And, uh, you know, some girls that we just were head over heels for, man, and we see them strung out smoking that rock and getting in the car with the dope boy, and they're, they're just gone. And it might be three or four girls that we had crushes on. Gone. That does something to you. And then you start talking about friends, mothers, gone, sisters, gone, just strung out. You, it's hard, especially if you don't really know what we know now about how all that happened, but you're just seeing the, the wreckage and you're trying to adjust to it because now you're not really looking at women the same way. You're seeing this side of women that really, you, you sh- we, we, sh- we don't really need to see that. That's that's them um, in desperation, for lack of a better word, which, you know, that'll do something to you. You know, that's not a normal mode of life. And so they saw all this and then it started filtering through the music. You know, and they started getting into people who didn't see it. And now we just have this in our lexicon now. Yeah. And I was, and I, as you're saying that, I was thinking you said you were talking about it from the female drug addict side but also Mm -hmm. on the male side you know like you've heard these you've heard stories of these kids growing up and they see that guy with that car yep you know he's the only guy with that cadillac in Mm -hmm. the ghetto and he wants to say i want to be like him yep and they don't and then they realize oh the way he paid for that cadillac is because he's so drunk so let me emulate that character you know or he was you know a pimp so let me emulate that character. And I was thinking about, you know, Tony Montana, it's mm-hmm. power, right? It's money. It's that's how you, that's when that shift, I think, I mean, there's always a, you know, humanity, the history of humanity can be measured by the level of greed of a certain society. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think what we're talking about when it's, when it comes to masculinity and, 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 emotions and, and, and being sensitive, there's that shift from um, it being okay to it being not even um, something that you should think about, talk about, you know, suppress at all costs, because what really matters is how much money you can make. Yeah. Because that's yeah. what values. And, 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 and that rhetoric of what we were taught is that's what women want. We're still living that today. I mean, yeah. sadly, we still got... <laughs> We still got remnants of that today and uh, it's taking different forms, but we still deal with it. Yeah. And when we heard lines like um, on the other side where where they would say like women want a sensitive man, it'd be (laughs) like, we didn't understand what that meant. But I think in actuality, what they, what, what, if a woman wanted the type of man, they, you could call it sensitive, but I would say more um, having a, a high emotional intelligence. Yeah, that well, that's the unicorn Being man it. right there. <laughs> well, I think I think that's what we're trying to do, man. Share, spread the word of what unicorn men look like. It's emotional man. intelligence. And now you're finna walk. You're finna walk down another dark alley with me, though, because Go ahead. I don't. I've become kind of convinced, man. A lot of women don't want to deal with a man that has a high emotional intelligence. Okay, and I know that sounds so. It sounds completely contradictory, but I mean, I know in your experiences, you, you you probably have experienced it because when you 
and I try to think how to say this. I don't want this to sound, I don't want to sound arrogant. So don't take it that way, right? But if you think above low-level motivations, yeah. sometimes you lose people. Yeah. And in, in a relationship, uh, if the woman's not ready to deal with that, she can view everything that you do as condescending. Yes. And so that's the only reason yes. I say that, you know. Uh, you're very. I think you're 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 very. You're on a good uh, uh, path there. Um, one of the things um, that I've experienced was, like, man, I had to realize one. This whole topic comes from something that I found out recently. Mm-hmm. I read a book. It was like uh, the highly sensitive person. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I was, I was like, what's wrong with me, right? Why, why, why do I worry about these things when it seems like nobody else goes through this stuff in their head? So I read this book and I'm like, I think I'm sensitive. And it was like a finding out that I was handicapped or something. <laughs> it was like, ain't nothing wrong, wrong with it. Shoot, it's a good <clears> thing, <throat> man. Yeah, well, I had to figure it out first. And then I told my mom and she's like, well, yeah, you're sensitive. And then I tell my sister and she's like, well, duh, yeah, you're sensitive. And then I told my wife, I was, I was like, I think I'm sensitive. She's like, yes, you are very sensitive. I'm like. Why Why didn't anybody tell me that I was sensitive? And the reason why I was struggling with my emotions was because it was getting to me, hmm. right? And nobody told me because I thought I was, I was trying to pretend to be somebody else through my late teens, all through 20s, trying to be somebody else, pretend like somebody else, somebody else that I wasn't. They can't. They can't. That's the crazy part about it, right? Nobody you name can tell you. They can't talk you through that. Um, I still to this day believe that's what was going on with my brother. That's you know, my brother drank himself to death. I think he was, uh, you know, felt a lot, you know, and uh, couldn't process it all, you know, properly. And uh, I'm kind of, I, I feel, but I also I'm analytical. So everything that I feel gets filtered through my logic. So I always put the check on it, right? But I know exactly. I get what you're saying, though. So because I I can the 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 scenarios they they hit me, but I always have to filter through my logic to keep myself from going crazy. And I mean that because you you can't observe all this stuff and not go nuts. <laughs> and that's what I think sensitive is. It is observing. It is observing and and accepting or or um, uh, letting it soak in, on. And I think sensitive people have a larger capacity for kind of like your you know like your eyes. So imagine if it's like a volume control. Your your volume control is on ten. You see things. You notice things. Your ears. Your your volume's on ten. You hear things, and it hits you. And then your inside, right? It affects you. And there's some things that are like almost uh, you have a physiological response and people don't realize, you know, I'm nervous. I'm jittery. Are you are you a Pisces? Yes. Okay, it's it's a lot to do with your sign. (laughs) Yeah, No, it's nothing wrong with that. It's just what it is, what it is, you know. I have I have no idea how some of those things line up. But, yeah, um, that's funny that you threw that out there. There's a. I have, a, I have a cousin like that, and uh, he's—I uh, mean, it's—it's—it's uh, it's difficult, 
you know, because people people just don't do right. I hate to say it like that. People don't do right. <laughs> they don't do right by him. Okay. You know, in a lot of instances, you know, and uh, it, 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 it leads them coming up short a lot. And I hate this. I hate to see that, you know, uh, but on the other side of that, y'all do literally filter everything that you're exposed to on this planet. And so for, for the, for the Pisces, it's it's uh, people people can't fathom it, right? The idea of being present enough to pay attention to every situation and scenario, because most people don't do that. They they're moving so fast, and they try to, they try to keep moving so fast where they don't have to be present. Hmm. You know, they don't want to sit there long enough to actually take this in. You know, they want to keep moving so they don't have to think about it. And I think that's intentional, but it's, it's a, I don't think that's right. Because I think that's why a lot of stuff is like out of whack in our society. uh, Because I don't care what your sign is. There are things that are occurring that we all can acknowledge aren't right. And there's, there's an imbalance. It's just that a lot of people just don't, as long like you you mentioned earlier, as long they have a narrative about themselves, what they are, what they want, and as long as they can kind of get there, they don't care about anything else. You know, as long as they can fulfill this this self narrative, they're good. So the rest of the stuff they could care less about. You know, like on a shallow level. Yeah, yeah. So that's why yeah. I said if you're if you're if you're Thinking above low-level motivations, it's just hard to deal with people sometimes because most people, it's always, like you said, shallow. It's it's base-level things that they're they're thinking about while you're talking to them. See, I could say I could. You can't. I don't feel comfortable saying that. I know that there's a shallow way of reacting or act interacting with other people, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't go so far as say just as a blanket statement these people are shallow. I would say they're philosophers, like, you know, they're their own personal philosophers. They have their own beliefs, but the but they have a fear of going deeper with this person that they don't know if they can trust. And they may or 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 maybe they have a, a ego saying, I'm not going to discuss this with you right now. Um so I think that they have those levels, but they're not willing to share. And that's like I said, more prevalent among men. Well, if they got the level, but they're not willing to share it or explore it, they might as well not even have the level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but I think it's still there. I mean, I, you're, I, I, think- I, I you're right. I, I agree with you. It's just this, <laughs> like, well, yeah, I, 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 I can say shallow. Yeah. But the way I, I look at it is, um, you could have all the information in the world. If you don't put it to work, it's useless. You can have all the knowledge yeah. in the world. If you don't put it to work, it's useless. We have all this emotional capacity and we don't use it. It goes to waste. And if we could get it directed and controlled, it could actually make our lives so much more fulfilling. And um, I, the thing that gets me about it, about this conversation, if we take it back to like music, yeah, the the narrative formation 
because we're we're talking now about this idea that hey, we can kind of we haven't pinpointed it, but we have a little timeline where we know things took a change. They they they, they changed direction, right? And we know that wasn't it wasn't us on the streets. It wasn't you and I that said, "Hey, man, I'm gonna start calling every woman a bitch." We yeah. didn't do that. You know, yeah. this is something that 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 was given to us, and then it it programmed us and how we started to interact. And so, this is where I kind of get. So YouTube, right? I like to always ask people this question, right? right. How much YouTube do you watch? Not a lot. Okay, so the reason I ask it is because YouTube is interactive. Until you allow YouTube to build an algorithm for you and to start feeding you stuff, you have to get on there and select what you want to look at. Yeah. So you, you have to be involved in it. You can't be passive. It's not just going to yeah. come to you. Now you it they will give you stuff, but you're going to you're going to get the most popular videos for everybody, right? Which you might not be interested in. But if you're active, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's not tailored to you. Yes, to your to your algorithms of clicks, right? Yes, and then but it, and, but if you get into it and you start to say, "Hey, I want to look at car videos," or "I want to look at this," "I want to look at that," then they start building an algorithm for you. So you're you're active in building the framework around yourself. Yeah, that that's how I look at it with with life. You know, you we we can be passive and everything can be downloaded into us. That's that's kind of our fault though for allowing that, you know. So so yeah, so you're just getting the the general feed of society through movies and music, and you're not mm-hmm. you're not clicking basically. You're not looking for the things that matter to you specifically yes. that you're interested in specifically, and you're not seeing the people that you should interact with because boom yeah you're not engaging you're not engaging with the world on a real level and your light man the light the energy that you give off is different when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing versus when you're just moving through life when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing you're giving off a different energy and then you start pulling into people that you're supposed to pull into your life yeah so this stuff you, you can see, man, I it gets metaphysical really fast. That's you know, good. It goes somewhere, I hope so. but it can't. We we have to be willing to go there, though, you know. And like you said, it's uncomfortable for a lot of people because you can't touch it. I can't point to it, you know. Like I when we were over there at Haywoods, I'm talking about the age of Aquarius, right? And whenever I say the age of Aquarius, mm-hmm. I just mean it's the age of information. Okay. So more information means more discovery. More discovery means truth, in my opinion, because it gets harder to hide things and to be deceptive when there's more information. Now, the mm-hmm. problem is, are the people going to consume the information and digest it properly? Or are they going to stay in the same box that they've always been in? Yeah, and, and, yeah, and then people can get influenced in that way yes by consuming the same information right and then there's man have you seen i think i was talking to someone recently about this uh 
Cambridge Analytica, how um, this company uh, basically took took the information from Facebook. And I think this is where Zuckerberg got, Berg got in trouble. And they were out, able to, you know, profile people based on the big five personality traits and then, uh-huh. you know, sway sway certain people in certain states. Yep. And and uh, to me, the, the thing about the interesting part about it was the psychology of those people being able to be swayed because they're tapping into their emotional responses. Mm-hmm. So if you show a picture of Hillary Clinton in a, in a bad light, those people on the opposite side are going to say, yes, you know, I, I hate her for this. Mm-hmm. And then, and then and vice versa, right? Um, they're tapping into people's rage, their un, unvocalized um, anger, and it's psychological warfare. Yeah. Because they're not scrolling past it. So that's, when you ask me about YouTube, I don't watch it. The only time I watch it is is to pinpoint something, like I want to watch something specifically, and then I get off. The only one that kind of, where the algorithm works on me is um, uh, maybe Facebook, because if there's something that's interesting to me, I'll slow down. And of course, this is where I found out from this, um, that uh, Cambridge Analytica um, documentary was, they're counting the milliseconds of how many, of how you slow down. Mm-hmm. So if you slow down for a half a millisecond or a minute, um, um, like two seconds, they're going to feed you more stuff like this in your feed. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 I scroll past it intentionally because I know it's one, someone trying to feed, trying to make me buy something or feed me some line. And two, it's not good for me. Right. It's not like you're saying, it's not something that I care about, that I'm interested in, that I'm focused on. So I'm not looking for that. So I have to scroll past it. I have to have the, awareness of of not feeding that feeding that material into my mind yes i have to be aware of that yeah, and not being basically manipulated in that way yeah you being if you're be passive I, i'm gonna send you a video <laughs> all right that's it's creepy but this is actually a division of the military when you watch it so if you're passive they're they're banking on that they're counting on that right and uh, that's how all that came to be because they were saying, okay, they're receptive to the programming and we can nudge them this way or nudge them that way. That's all we're talking about, right? And uh, so my my whole thing is that has to go away. We all have to kind of take responsibility for the narratives we choose to live in <clears throat> because we're the ones that form them. Uh, I can give you a biblical basis for it. I can give you a metaphysical okay. basis for it, yeah. because we're 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 the biblical basis is Matthew uh, four, the temptation of Christ, where okay. you have Jesus and Lucifer are literally debating reality. Now I know when you read it, it doesn't seem that way, but they're actually debating the merits of reality and which reality we. Lucifer is proposing one reality. Jesus is proposing another reality. Okay, yeah. uh, we we we're literally doing that every day ourselves because you're you you have to. Um, we get back to what what you know the, the 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 initial topic right. To be a complete man, 
you have to have all these parts and you can't function properly if you're just some hammer out here beating everything into the ground with your masculinity because you right. can't you can't observe all situations properly because you're not going to see things the right way unless you tap into that part of you that gives you that that pause and lets you see things as they really are that's that's your emotional side it needs to be aware it needs to be active you know and if we if we dumb that down who knows how a lot of these guys are actually seeing their reality and we shouldn't be surprised with some of the stuff we see on the news you know oh yeah so yeah when when you're talking about dumbing down that um ability to um understand and express reality through your emotions um there is uh i did actually did some homework on it the the mm. word in psychology is normative male alexithymia 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 so it's a clinical subform found in boys and men reared to conform to traditional masculine norms that emphasize toughness, teamwork, stoicism, and completion, and that discourage the expression of vulnerable emotions. So, aleximathia, with a male uh, definition on top of it, is the problem of what happens. And what happens is then it manifests later, like I said, in aggression and rage, because they have no funnel or no basically like vocabulary of how to say anxiety. They just say mad. You know, I'm mad. But you can't say why you're mad because you don't have the vocabulary to articulate the the, the different levels of the scope of your emotions properly as, as emotional intelligence goes. And you're basically, you're, like you said, a hammer. You've limited yourself as a hammer because all you can think of is hammer as a man instead of I'm sensitive to different levels of anger, different levels of sadness, different levels of happiness. It's not just sex and drugs and then anger, right? Mm -hmm. It's like it's like very simplistic emotional cues have very simplistic uh, emotional reactions, behaviors. And that's what I think leads to a lot of these um, like addiction, depression, right. You know, later in life, I mean, God bless your brother, but that's something that I think a lot of men need to know that to be sensitive or to have feelings is not a curse. Yeah. Um, it's something that you can use to be a better use for someone else in the world. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm contradicting myself. But okay. all those traits and masculinity that you identified when uh, given the definition of the term that they use, those are all positive traits. What we're talking about is balance. Um, we have to be careful mm. um, because there's um, there's a counter narrative uh, going on about a lot of masculine traits being negative. Okay, right. and group dynamics, certain aspects of stoicism, completing tasks, 
some of these things are very important for the management and the fulfillment of our society. So we have to kind of, there's a line we have to walk. Um, a lot of times, uh, personally, I think if more men, so this is my male philosophy. Okay. All right. And it's very quick. All men have a light. Okay, it's your job to feed your light. You can feed your light by reading books. You can feed your light by woodworking. I, I mean, whatever you enjoy doing, but you need to have something that you enjoy doing. That's what's going to feed your light. And as you feed your light, it'll grow brighter and brighter, and it'll help propel you through the world. And you will not find yourself lost or aimless. The problem is, you. I used to always say this about women, right? You know, you talk to some women and ask them what their hobbies are. They they'll give oh. you. I like to travel, and I like to go out and eat, and I like to shop. And you're just like, I don't think those are hobbies. <laughs> now, those are, yeah. So now, though, you can talk to men sometimes, and they don't have things they enjoy doing, and uh, that's a problem because you've got to have outlets. And like I say, they 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 have to be internal. I'm not saying uh, uh, I like I like women. I like to have sex. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. Like you say, uh, we go out and drink and hang out. That's not, nope, that's not what I'm talking about. Something you do by yourself that brings you joy internally. All men have to have that. Again, I don't know where this went. Because, you know, back in the day, dude, a lot of guys had, like the old guys, they had hobbies. Dad might have had a race car or something. Some dude might have been building cabinets in his garage. Yeah. But they, they had things that they did. And it was just something solitary. I mean, now what are we, video games? Hmm? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there is I, I, I see the distinction between the need for this distinction between digital hobbies like mm -hmm. uh like video games versus woodworking or you know working on your car. Um, like uh, a trade, or mm. yeah, or even like something like painting or writing. Exactly. Uh, yep. Yeah, there's a creative, uh, creative uh, energy there that's a little different than than just playing video games, even mm -hmm. if it's sports. Um, yep. You know, that's that's outside. You're engaging your you know your mind and body, and you're getting better, um, and you're doing something that you love. I think what you said about the light that every man has their light and they need to feed that light. I think the, the big thing for people, young men is they don't know what that light is for them. Hmm. So they think that they find something like, um, I don't know. Uh, they like making puzzles, um, or they like, uh, whatever it is that might seem odd to the world because there's no way to make money off yeah. of that. Yeah, and so they get discouraged from that, and I think that's a huge disservice. And and for young men, I think if I were to say what that light that, that they should seek that light, they should try to because to me that's that meaning seeking of trying to find what it is about you that's unique and special, and it's something that'll propel you as a person mm -hmm. that's as an individual that's different than a lot than anyone else. And you can, you know, uh, t 
turn that into a career and make money out of it. Or if not, at least you'll be a more well-rounded person. Like exactly. you said, have a, have a shop in your garage as you get older and you have that, that space of centering, that space of creative, um, mm-hmm. a creative space for you, for your soul that, yes. that, you know, that you're able to, you know, transform that creativity into something productive and it's not being stifled. Yes. Because people right. lose it, man. And when you see guys lose it, it's tragic, man. Um, you know, in my 40s, you know, you, I've seen guys lose it in their, their mid-30s. Some guys in their late 20s. Things that they just used to get joy out of, man. And, and it's just like, God. And it's like, dude, man. And then once that, that thing is gone, they're just kind of aimless. Right. Right into those low level pursuits. And those are very destructive pursuits. Yes. So it's uh, so this is I think this is these things I know we kind of started this off talking about music, but what you're really we're talking about well rounded masculinity. It's gonna probably end up being, you know, for you you really could really delve very deeply into this subject because it's not something people like to talk about. I don't know. But it has to be talked about because we have school shooters and all this other stuff. These are all, these are, these are dispossessed young men who are out here just floating around, man, lost. I'm mm-hmm. not making excuses for what they do. I'm just saying there's there was a chance to kind of get them on the right track early on, and it, you know, like you said, man, they might have had some off the wall interest, and maybe they were ridiculed for it. All they needed was somebody to say, yeah, man, I was, I used to do that stuff when I was young too, man. Keep doing what you'd like to do. That's it. Yeah. And that's all it takes sometimes, you know, but. Encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. En- encouragement from a positive real mo- uh, a male role model mm-hmm. to say what you're doing is a good thing and you could do more with it. Yep. Right. You know, like you see that kid, you know, um, I don't know. You know, you have a toy and he breaks it apart. Well, let me buy you some more toys so you can break those apart. Mm-hmm. You know, see what you, you're looking for something. You got a you got a young engineer right there. Yeah, just right? start putting them back together now. <laughs> or <try> to. <laughs> yeah, you know? or, yeah, um, yeah. There's there's all those creative um, uh, uh, attributes of, of, of individuals that they don't realize that those are the things that make them special. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So that's and I try to. That's what's sad about it, man. Um, we okay. I like I say my my show is called an honest look at the end. This it's not particular to this topic, but topics like this are why I say we have to have an honest look at the end, because a lot of what we've been doing cannot go into the future because it's not productive. It doesn't work anymore. You know, we have to kind of change course if we want to save ourselves, man. You know? Yeah. So I, I, I really found this, uh, this well, uh, I guess, a pictorial or it's an allegory. It's a Plato's allegory of the cave. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I haven't, I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast, but you know where, you know of it. Yep. So how about you? How about you give it a shot and your interpretation? Really, it's it's again, it's about reality and what reality you want to exist in. It's just uh, it's just shadows, 
right. you know, and I, well, basically, I'll, let me explain. Like, well, Cliff Notes, are you living through the shadows or are you actually living? Right? Right. So you could be living, and now modern times, the shadows could literally be Instagram, YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, you know all this stuff where you you know people think they have to have all this money and they have to have this and they have to have that. While they're they're here, the real them here, they can touch all this is real. They're just sitting there watching that and wilting away. It's all basically the cave is like the Matrix. Yes, where, where people are literally plugged up into this machine, getting fed an alternate reality. Wasting yes, life. that's that's what the, that's what the uh, allegory is. Yeah, so the people are in a cave; they're chained to a wall, and all they see is the shadows that is on the wall above them. That that there's a light behind them, but they don't know what the light is. All they see is the shadows, and they think that that those shadows and those the the, the moving shadows are is reality, mm-hmm. and. uh they have to have somebody to lead them out and say those shadows are just shadows and this is a light. But you're in a, you're in a cave and you're chained to a wall and they're they're like no, you know those are real. I said no, you're chained to a wall. You're a prison of your own self, your own mind. And then the next level is to take them outside. Say you're not you're you're in a cave. That's not the whole world. The whole world is beyond this cave and your your eyes have to adjust. Um, what's funny is. I, I was listening to this podcast, and it is uh, goodness. I wish I knew. Is he's a psychologist or philosopher, John Verveke, and he said the exact same thing that that the Plato's allegory of the cave is like the Matrix, and more so that it's one is getting out of the cave, getting out of the fake reality, and getting into real reality. But two, there's those people. That want to go back in yes. because it's easier. So it's people and and in 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 Plato's example, um, the person wants to go back and free the other people, but the other people beat him up mm-hmm. because they think he's crazy because they don't believe that nothing outside of what they understand exists. Yeah, remember when Jesus said, "Don't cast your pearls before swine." <laughs> yeah. they, let's they turn on you and destroy you like a pack of ravenous dogs. Yeah, that's a hard saying, but it, you know? it actually absolutely has its time and place for it's applicable exactly to where you do not you it they'll beat you up for yep. saying the truth. So it's interesting. Um your 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 um honest look at the end has um biblical uh roots, I should say. Yeah, it's just like I'm just seeing it, man, and it's tragic. But yeah. we 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 can we can change it. We just gotta get enough people to start looking at things in a better way. You know, that's that's the. But like we just said, you know, how many people want to come out of it? They're giving you everything that you need to be pacified in this reality. And if you really really want to live, it might be a little bit more difficult. But you'll really really be living. Yeah. Some people would rather yeah. just be pacified, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. I, I I loved the Matrix Part 1 when it came out. I thought it was so deep and profound, and I think I was the only one <laughs> that was so – I mean, I know people liked it because of special effects, but yes. I'm like, no, 
you don't understand. He's talking about reality and how you accept accept your place in reality. And there's that guy, that scene where that guy's like, you know, I know this is I know this isn't a steak, but when I put it in my mouth, yeah. it tastes like a steak. Mm -hmm. So I might as well just assume I might as well just just live this lie because it's comfortable and it's easy and it's it, and it's uh it's familiar. Yes. And that's coming. That's uh that's the metaverse eventually. Um, hate to say it like that, but I think that's what they got planned for everybody. Well, for a lot of people. I don't want to get all down, man. I just think I think we can at the end of the day, but everybody has to understand. As uh, Gabe and I sit here and talk, right? We're sitting here telling you that there is a reality that you can there's this reality you can live in where you can manifest what you actually want. But you have to choose to to be in that reality. You have to accept that and, and kind of move in it in truth. And in truth about who you actually are. Amen. And uh, that's it. You know, and if you get in there, you're good. You're not gonna be concerned about the rest of this stuff out there anymore. You know? Yeah. I loved it. I love this conversation. I think uh we share a lot of basic, you know, we share the same sentiments when it comes to having difficult conversations is a good thing. Mm -hmm. When it comes to being open-minded, when it comes to sharing your opinions, even though they might be controversial, it's still valuable, still has value. Um, it's worth being said. And ultimately, both of us want a higher plane of existence for yes. for, for everyone. Yes. Sound and right? There's nothing we can do about it. It's coming. Uh, so we got to get in it. You, you can catch this flow and it'll be better for you. Or you can keep on... Because eventually... The tide's gonna kind of turn, man, and you're 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 actually we're gonna see it in probably the next three years, where um, it's not gonna be hard to choose not to take part in things that are utterly ridiculous ah. for most people. Now, a lot of people are gonna probably be taking part in it, but if you're like seeing things, if you're really seeing things, you're gonna be like, "Hey, I'm good, man. I'm staying out of this." <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. I'm going to be in the backyard around my fire pit chilling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, you're able to discern what, what, uh, when you see darkness, uh, yes. you have your light, you yes. have your own light. Yes. And you know, what's crazy about it, man, that light repels people from you that you don't need to have around you anyway. That's the most bizarre thing about it, man. When you really tap in, I used to say this, uh, I, I would talk to my mom about this. It would sound kind of weird, right? And I'd be like, yeah. She, she'd watch these uh, Dateline and, you know, these shows where people are getting killed. You know, those investigation shows, right? And I would always be like, sometimes I think um, there's this energy in people. There's a spiritual energy inside of people that draws them to each other when they're on the right side and when they're on the wrong side. And I think sometimes people that are kind of walking both between these the two sides, they can get pulled onto this other side and literally get destroyed because there's something there would be something inside of another person that could pull them to that person and that person ends up killing them. Where you know you and I might be looking at the person on TV and say, "Man, hey, that cat looks crazy. How'd you yeah. go get in his car and such and such and such? You know, and da 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 da. You know, but it, there was something there in this other person." That had every every warning bell shut off, and they were like, "I'm going with this person." 
something was in them telling them that made sense. I know that sounds kind of disjointed, but I think if we are on the right path, the people that are supposed to be with us will be with us, and the people that should we should repel will repel. It's like the old sages used to say, if you ask the right questions, then the person with the answer will appear, or then the prophet will appear, you know. But if you're not asking the right questions, you know. And back yeah. to the Bible, asking you'll receive, seeking you'll find, knocking on the door will be open to you. Right. You, you have to activate creation by requesting the right things from creation. And then yeah. creation will answer you. I think that's what's very popular about this new, you said it earlier, manifesting. Oh, well, um, I don't know. Some of this stuff is kind of out there, though, man. I, 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 it took me a while to figure out what they were trying to say. I mean, you're using manifest, which to me, I don't know. They're using it as a as a as a verb that that you could use as one, and it means a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? I'm manifesting. That doesn't make sense in a proper English way to me. But but um, it, you know, through what people are saying about it, it, it really just means making a like what you're saying a a determined volition of 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 creating the things that you care about mm-hmm. and letting, letting it come to fruition, yes. which manifesting to me is it, something can be manifested, but I don't see how you can create manifestes manifestations. I think what I you're saying, understand. you're, you're saying it, the, <laughs> the, the, you're saying it the right way because you're, you're literally, you're creating the environment for what you want to come to be. Right. And that's what, People, so you have to be actively creating that environment. Yeah. So you have to be kind of walking down the path. You know, oh, I want a, I want yeah. a wife. You need to be walking down the path. I can't have sex with five different women every week. I'm yeah. trying to find a wife. <laughs> I can't be a hardcore fornicator and then sit there saying, I want to have a wife, though. I need right. to be on the path trying to find a wife. Right. So that that's the separation between people that say they're manifesting. If somebody, if anybody ever tells you they're manifesting, are they <laughs> on the path to what they want to manifest? You know, okay, yeah. Are yeah. they just, yeah? Are they, yeah? Are they still the eating right four cheeseburgers? Saying I'm manifesting being <laughs> manifesting. 130 pounds. <laughs> now, not like Mm-mm. that's not how it works. Yeah, exactly. All right, all right, man. Well, I, it was a great conversation, and and. I have a lot of food for thought and maybe we could come back to this. I think, uh, I think uh, you might want to make a series, man. Yeah. You ain't, ain't got to have me every week, but I'm just saying, I think the topic. Okay. Cause you can, you can, in my opinion, you can do the music. Yeah. Then you start talking about the culture. You can go and then now you can do social media. Right. You can talk about, uh, there's a lot of different avenues, man, but all of it comes back to yeah. the same thing because yeah. you're, you're, you're talking about the pathology. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. And you go come at it from what I was trying to say, the psychology level. You come at mm-hmm. it from the biblical level of 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 a person. And I and I can, I can equate Plato's cave mm-hmm. with darkness and light, which mm-hmm. is in the Bible. You can also equate that uh, emotional intelligence with having the mind of Christ. Yes. Yes. Your identity in Christ is a fully rounded human being, right? 
Yep. And you're able to have all those, you have exhibiting those uh, uh, gifts of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit because those things are, um, you know, kindness, generosity, patience, they're, right? They're, they're in you. Yeah. Yes. And he, yeah, and, and you know, like I said, that's and mm-hmm. that's that's antithetical to people who are, are getting fed that line of money, power, sex, um, yeah. oh, machismo. You know, uh, was it misogyny? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, brother, I enjoyed it, man. I'm telling you, you, you got something here. Okay, we'll do it again. All right, brother. All right. Peace. Peace.